Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I am Pastor Troy Richards, and along with me is Mr. Josh Humphreys. Yep. Mr. You know, just just Mr. for a moment in my brain, I was thinking Daniel Humphreys, <gasps> but Ugh. it was like that's Daniel. I, it would I be an honor for you to have my last name. <laughs> part of it, part of the problem is that we're now reading the Book of Daniel. Or we were reading mm-hmm. the book of Daniel last week. We're already done with it. Daniel's, this is that time of year where we get into the Bible reading mm-hmm. and everything. And you just, go through, yeah, you go through two of them, yeah. two different books in a week. That's and crazy. the Old Testament, usually you're like in a month in Job and a month in Isaiah and a month right. in Ezekiel. And then it's like Daniel in a week. And then Hosea in a couple few days. Right. You know, and then it's like boom, 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 boom. And then you get into, and then some Micah one day, one reading, whatever. Uh, but, um, uh, so yeah, that's where we are. We're there. We're into the minor prophets Ooh, um, uh, starting next week, and um, or actually, what we are currently reading, we are in the minor prophets, but the um, we won't talk about it until starting next week. So anyway, we're we're excited about. Um, I'm excited about today because we are talking about the first the end of Ezekiel, mm-hmm. and finally it, we get through, yeah. the last part of Ezekiel is just all those dimensions of a temple. And we talked a little bit about right. that in our last podcast uh, of why would you even have these dimensions of a temple that has never even existed. Um, we're in Psalm 135 and 136, um, 137, which uh, I don't know if you pulled anything from the I Psalms. Did, actually. Did you? Huh? Psalms and Proverbs. Ooh, Nothing from New Testament. The Proverbs, even though it's just one proverb, basically, I one verse each time, is super Super solid. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really powerful nuggets of wisdom. And that's why I love, I like reading the Bible this way. Uh, if you've never done our reading plan, it's on our website at fbcj.us. You can just click reading plan and uh, and read along with us because each day you just get a little piece of Proverbs. Because when you do a reading plan and you read through the book of Proverbs yeah. all at one time, uh, you really don't get the benefit of those right. nuggets of wisdom. But this way it's spread out over the course of the year. And so every day you have a little bit of wisdom from Proverbs thrown in and uh, and some poetic um Worship from the Psalms uh, also yeah. to spice it up a little bit, and then readings from the Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, it, speaking of the New Testament, we are in First Peter, which is just um, first and second, and, and also Second Peter. Um, you know, the writing of Peter is so uh, I forget how much, how much I love it every time. I I, I just uh, I love reading through First uh, and Second Peter, and then and then getting into First John. And First John really is a kind of companion book with the Gospel of John. Uh, if you if you take the letter of First John and read it when you're reading the Gospel of John, it looks like a commentary on the Gospel of John. Hmm. Uh, it just uh, has uh, things that kind of harmonize with it. And and a, a lot of scholars believe that that's how it was circulated. That he wrote the letter and circulated the epistle with the distribution of the gospel. So um, so anyway, that's uh, just a little something something something. Uh, but First and Second Peter. Um, the Gospel of Mark is most closely related to the teachings, what they believe was the preaching of Peter, that John Mark was a scribe for Peter. But the letters really kind of convey what you would think Peter would say to the church and and give some very uh, some strong encouragement, some some deep insight that the church needs to have um, for today. So anyway, we. We grasped, we pulled some things from those things, and so we are going to. Um, there's so much. There's always more than we have time to share. So uh, please don't don't think that you shouldn't be reading these passages and just going by what we say. Um, I, I really hope nobody's doing that. Right. Uh, but we just want to share what we found from the reading this week, and uh, and we'll come back and do that when we return. 
Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast. We are looking at our reading from the week before. And uh, we've, like I said, we finished up Ezekiel and got into Daniel uh, and also First Peter and First uh, and Second Peter and First uh, John even a little bit. So, um, so but today, uh, Josh isn't going to share from either of those. He's no. Uh, what are you going to talk about, Josh? Surprisingly, I'm not in the New Testament at all today. Ooh. Um, not even my questions. Um, I'm in the Old Testament. I'm in Psalms. Uh, Psalm 135, 15 through 18 really stuck out to me this week. And this is what it says. The idols of the nations are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak and eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear and mouths but cannot breathe. And those who make idols are just like them as all are who trust in them. And when I was reading this, it just reminded me of how foolish we are as humans, how foolish I am and how foolish sin is as a believer. Like how like just mind boggling is that we do this. Um, but at the same time, it's, it really showed me how deceptive sin is as well. Mm-hmm. And um, we make idols um, of things that, uh, that are dead all the time. Uh, and that's what this passage is getting as the silver and gold is, shaped by human hands it it does not breathe and i think um when i when i was thinking through this i was thinking about the idols of westernized culture um in general and i was just thinking about how we as westernized people hold power sex and money as idols mm. and how none of those things are like alive they they like they're not there's not something that is sex that is alive and breathing or money that is alive and breathing or power that is alive and breathing. those are all things those mm. are all either like a physical object or it's just this thing in our heads that is there. Um, and yet we praise them and we believe that those things can satisfy, save, uh, and, and make us feel better. But listen how dumb that sounds. I had to like think of like imagery in my mind for me to like even understand that. And so um, it's foolish and it, it is dumb, but it, it's so deceptive. So we believe it to be true. But anyway, here's the imagery that, that we, that I had come up with. So imagine a white fluffy dog. Um, is yours and mm-hmm. you've had it for so long um and now imagine that dog just dies but now um it, it's sad whatever but you take that dog and you bring it to your house and you put the dead dog on display in like a curio cabinet in your house and you still treat it like it's living and so mm-hmm. you get joy out of it you make jokes to it you talk to it you pet it and all that stuff but it's dead and so you keep doing this and then you just begin to pretend that it's not dead at all and it's just there and you worship it sort of i'm thinking that could fulfill you make you joyful like the dog that was once living but it's dead and it decomposes and it gets nastier and you continue to do it forever and forever and ever um and you don't stop loving it on it and it and you believe that it makes you happy but it's dead and it's decomposing and it's and it gets nastier mm-hmm. but that's what sin's like for us um we we know as believers that it's dead and there's nothing new nothing good nothing that comes from it Mm. in those ways um but we as we continue to do it longer and longer and longer the sin becomes more wicked and it's easier for us to for us to decay um into deeper sins and so we lift up these non-living things searching for salvation but what this is getting at right here what what this psalm is getting at is that god is alive Mm. and we as you know, post Jesus's death and resurrection, we know that our God is alive, um, that 
he is living guide and he he died but he did not stay dead um and the opposite of this um verse he is the one whose eyes can see whose mouth does speak whose ears hear and whose lungs breathe he is holy he's unlike anything else um he was not shaped by human hands and he just is and that is good news for us and that i mean that's that is just good news yeah. Um, and, yeah. And the other thing was at the end of this verse, it talks about those who make the idols are just like them. And so that's, I mean, that's our call as believers is to go find those people who are like those idols and, and help them to see that it's dead. Yeah. They and also are dead. Yeah. It, well, yeah, that's the point. Yeah. 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 And, and the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that, you know, when you look back in, the Old Testament, and you see where they make the golden calf. Right. Um, the the thing that I think we miss, what God was saying is, is because if you if you if you know if you go into a a region or a place or part of the world where they do worship idols or whatever, mm-hmm. there is a God that they believe actually exists beyond the idol. Right. They don't think that the idol is the God, mm-hmm. but they think that there's a God that they that the idol is a portal to that God, mm-hmm. and uh and God distinguishes himself by saying, I uh, forbid you to create an idol to represent me. And uh, because he's saying in the nature of us, when we create, when we create something to represent God, that we are not understanding who he is, that he exists uncreated, that he is not something. Because basically you are creating, you are making, it's it's symbolic in that you are making the God that you want to be. And so whether you actually have the figure or the the statue in your house or not, if you've created a God in your mind that you worship that is of your own fabrication, not the God who's revealed himself, but as you believe him to be, then you're doing the exact same thing. Right. You might as well create something to symbolically represent him because it's 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 not God right. that well, you're yeah, worshiping. Well, yeah, if you just him. pick and choose one of his attributes and you just worship that attribute, well, then you've created a, a wrong a, God. A, a wrong God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's and which is what uh, when when you worship the sun or when you worship uh, right. moon or you worship whatever, uh, and uh, you know that that is that's what idol worship is. But we do that. We we create. We say, well, uh, I think God is this. And it doesn't matter yeah. what we think God is because he reveals who he is. Right. I don't know him except how he reveals himself to be. Right. And one, the the things, and one of the things he reveals to us is mm-hmm. that uh, he does not like to have an image represent him, uh, which is um, you know, something you have to be very careful about. I, I, I know that there are times when there will be a cross and people will go pray where the cross is. And it's like you want to be very careful that you are not praying to the cross mm-hmm. and believing that when you take that cross down or you're holding the cross in your hand, that that somehow is a representative of God or is an image of yeah. God or something, because now you've made that cross an idol. Like saying, I, I can't pray because uh, like I, I'm going to go find that cross so I can right, pray. Right. Uh, you know, and and I, when I hold the cross, you know, my prayers are answered or things like those are all very dangerous things. Well, just wrong things. It's not dangerous. It's wrong uh, because that's that's what that leads to. That is idolatry and uh, and leads to a deeper idolatry where we're, again, creating a God that doesn't exist in that form. Because you've, you've just now violated one of the Ten Commandments where you said, don't right. do this. Um, don't create something. And uh, and any religion you're doing that God isn't revealed to us is a dead religion. So, 
So anyway, that's very good. Yeah, sorry, I no, didn't mean to add so much. No, it's helpful. Um, the um, uh, passage I was looking at was from uh, Daniel, uh, and uh, it says the king spoke, saying, "Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling?" by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. This is Nebuchadnezzar talking. While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses." Uh, this is something that uh, the king of Persia, or I'm sorry, the king of Babylon was doing just before the end of his reign, and um, and the uh, and and this is a what an amazing period of time. God used Nebuchadnezzar to uh, conquer Israel and um, at Judah, and, and and most of the known world to have this incredibly large empire. Yet he, when he takes a moment to glorify himself in it. Now, this is the same Nebuchadnezzar who set up a golden image and had everybody bow down to it or whatever. Uh, and so it's a, uh, but here you have this moment uh, where he's just saying, look how great I am. And then God um, takes it from him to prove that uh, it doesn't come from him. This happens to every ruler in, throughout history. You have Alexander the Great, uh, who um, you know gets uh, gets wounded in battle and some type of stomach thing or whatever, and winds up dying from it. Or, and uh, and then you have all the Caesars. Uh, if one thing is true for every ruler that has ever lived upon this earth, they have all died, uh, and uh, and have all lost their. They've either lost their empires or their kingdoms through warfare or through uh, a series of political circumstances or through insurrections, or through a death. And, um, and, that's, um, and that's just the nature of being a human ruler. Um, God says, or the Bible reveals to us, uh, that, um, that he, I guess it's the same thing, say God says the Bible reveals to us, I'm saying the same thing, I don't mean it's one or the other. But uh, the Bible says, and God reveals to us, and God says, all those things are true at the same time, uh, that he puts people in authority. And so, uh, but the way that we need to take away from that is that uh, is to remember that 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 same pride that Nebuchadnezzar has, and that rulers have, and that presidents have, and that um, um, prime ministers have, and so forth. That same pride that slips in slips into us. Yeah. Uh, slips into us in our jobs. Slips into us. It's basically any time we go, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? When we look at and say, when we build something and say, oh my goodness, look what I built, or look how talented I am, or look what I have achieved, uh, look look at this performance I just did and how amazing I was in doing it. Um, look at this perfect Instagram picture that I created. I look so amazing. Uh, every time we do that, we are saying to ourselves, I'm all that. Right. Yeah, and a box of chocolates. Uh, the the reality is is that none of that comes from us. It's it all it all begins with a God who is gracious and merciful for us. I mean, the life that you have, the air that you're breathing, the the skills and talents and everything that you've done, no matter how much work you put into it, there are basic components that God has blessed you with in order to make all these things possible. And so. All the glory needs to be returned to the one who gave it. And when you don't do that, when you take the glory for yourself, 
then God, if in order to save you, he has to allow you to fall. He has to allow you to be destroyed. So he has to take it away from you, or else you, uh, or else you die in that, die, die in that pride. So either you're gonna, either you'll die in that pride and uh, and face an eternal separation from God and eternity in hell because pride leads to hell and destruction, mm-hmm. or you're you're humbled. And so uh, being humbled is an act of God's grace. But wow, it's a it's a it tough sucks. thing to have to go through. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not super. Super wonderful, but um, but we um, anyway, anything good that comes from us, anything good that you do, because this is also something that we are tempted to do. We do something, and it's like, yeah, you know, I was what a good thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. And and we, when you say, you know, I'm really a good person, and even the thought that I should go to heaven because right. I'm a good person is a is an act of pride, because the good that's in you doesn't come from you. The good that's in you is through God's grace working through you. And right. you're just manifesting his image in your life. And at, if you were just left to your own device and on your own, then it would, you wouldn't be good. So there's a um, band city of light is their name. And they have a song that we sing here. Actually, it's called mm-hmm. yet not I, but through Christ in me. Mm-hmm. And I love that song because every single verse, every single chorus has that reminder that everything that happens is yet not I, but through Christ in me. And the last little bit of the verse is, oh, how strange and divine I can sing. All is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. And it's just a such a beautiful picture of mm. of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And Christ, like everything is ours because of Christ, not because of what we do, nothing. Um, the song begins as what gift of grace is Jesus, my redeemer. And like, hmm. yes, like that is so powerful. And that song, we need to be reminded of, of all things that all the glory that we will receive in heaven yeah. is not because of us, but it's because of Jesus in us. And that, that is, is beautiful. Um, and it Which just, is why he's worthy of glory. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I had this realization a few months ago of the freedom, like what it means to be like free in Christ. And I think that that, 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 that song is so helpful in that of seeing, Hey, there's, there's seriously no pressure. Like the Lord is not like forcing you to go and do all of this stuff, but it's the Lord working in you and you can just have faith in that and that he's going to be faithful and, and do what he wants to do through you and how he wants. And it mm. just, it relieves so much stress anxiety and worry that you put on yourself like um i don't know i think it's in matthew but the the birds don't worry about tomorrow like because uh, think about eternity like the lord is the lord is good and jesus is good there's no need for you to worry and i think about that all the time of like hey this actually doesn't matter jesus is still god and Hmm. he's still king and he's living inside of me the spirit is working through me there's and that's that and that yeah. just erases all of. I mean, it's just so good, and it, it's a great reminder. So, yes, anyway. very good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm in um, Proverbs now. Proverbs 29 verse 11 is so simple. It smacked me in the face, um, and it just reminded me of a lot. So anyway, but this is what it says: Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Mm. And reading this verse, I was flashed back um, to see how often I, I said things like. Well, I'm not complaining. I'm just venting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's so like, and I, I never saw anything wrong with that phrase. I like ever. 
But then someone showed me this verse. I think it was like a year and a half ago or two years ago. Um, and I'm thankful that person pointed out to me because I didn't realize that I was in sin at all. If yeah. I said, I'm not complaining, I'm just venting. Like, I, di- I didn't realize it. But when I read that this week, um, I looked back on to see what life has looked like since then when it comes to dealing with conflict or just dealing with my emotions or whatever. And I, it was cool to see how he's changed my life in this way. And so instead of speaking often, like now I would rather sit quietly. Like Mm. I don't, I don't want to speak anymore and just let my mouth talk because when I would, when I do that, it would get me in hot water, hot water with people. And it wasn't like I was ever trying to like stir the pot on purpose, but it just would happen. Um, and it was never my desire to make people angry, but it, it would just happen and make people upset. And so I'm, I'm so thankful to, I don't even remember who it was, um, who told me like, Hey, venting is like actually not okay. Yeah. Um, because it's you letting your emotions get the best of you. You're not having self-control. You're not thinking clearly and you're just speaking. And so I, I now see the importance of, um, waiting to speak and speaking what needs to be spoken instead of speaking just to be heard or speaking just because I want to hear myself speak. Um, and so it reminded me again of what we were talking about last week with James in the book of James of be quick to listen and slow to, yeah, slow to speak. Um, I usually get this mixed up, but it it was a really cool moment for me to see sanctification in this specific area of my life. Yeah. And like just unaware of it, like unaware of this. Well, because the world says happening. something completely opposite. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Make sure your voice is heard. Yeah. Free expression. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, no, like what does God say? And so in those in those moments of I don't know, meetings and just conversations with people. Whoa. Uh speaking of conversations with people, who's that? I don't know. It's a weird oh, number. uh it does yeah, remind me Troy my phone, phone is call. not on silent, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh yeah, so that that verse was really cool. It reminded me of that, but I also just wanna encourage people, um once once you realize um, the importance of listening. You don't want to speak as much anymore, and you would rather speak words of wisdom and God's word than your yeah. own. And that, I don't know, it's very humbling. And I'm again thankful um, that someone pointed that out to me, and now I get to see yeah. the the grace of that in my life. Yeah, that the that's, Lord that's a good word. For me to be. Yeah, yeah, and I think that uh, th- that's a good reminder that there are a lot of things that uh, need to be pointed out in our lives mm-hmm. when we see someone who's following something that right. is to the conventional wisdom of the world. Because it does, and a lot of times people are doing things not because they uh, know it's wrong and they're purposefully going against the Word of God. They just don't, either don't remember or are not aware that what they're doing is contradictory right. to what the Word of God says. Well, right. Yeah. Because well, the world, because the world, uh, everybody practices it this way. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, wow. The world. And, and the, and the conventional wisdom of the world is not the wisdom of no. God. No. And, and see, it's funny because you're like, well, but if you don't share those feelings, then you keep all that bottle up inside you. That's bad for you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, who says that it's bad right. for you? And, right. and, and it's like, oh, well, this, this, this person, this psychologist, or this person, right. whatever. And it's like, yeah, based on what, you know? Right. And it's like they're basing that on their own understanding of the world, which is limited and finite. Yeah. And uh, and we're not to trust that. 
Um, they, a, they may have, they can have all the evidence in the world for whatever it is, but they're trying to come to a conclusion that's different than the one right. we're trying to be like Christ. Right. And so if that's, that's not their goal. Right. Yeah. Well, and I was, I was thinking again, when you were talking about that, that this, well, we're, com- we're, pl- we're complaining to get the, our, our emotions out, blah, 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 whatever. But I, I had a friend in college who said that Jesus was her best friend and she told him everything. Um, and so when something good happened, she would talk to him about it. When something bad happened, she would right. talk to him about it. When something she was sad or confused, it was always him that she talked right. to about it. And I remember being like, huh, well, I don't have that sort of view of the Lord. Like I, I go to him and I ask him questions yeah. so that I can be better. But she right. had this understanding of, no, I just speak to him because I love him. And, and it's like, Jesus can handle those things. Yeah. Um, speak to him instead of these people again who they're not God. They right. they can't they can't make you living like that. They can't save you. They can't satisfy. Right. Go to the Lord, the one who can solve the problems, who can give you wisdom, who right. can give you the power to be quiet, give you the power to speak. Right. Like go to him and, and speak to him, seek him. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's if so you have a better. if you and sometimes sometimes you have a friend who's full of the Holy Spirit right. and when you're talking to that person, right. they can't handle what you're saying. Right. Right. But you don't know that. Right. And and so at least you have a really, really, really right. strong trust relationship. And and what the proverb is saying is that when you go out and share what's inside you with other people, uh the enemy can take the right. things you're saying and then use them against you. Yeah. Because you're not saying things that are edifying or pleasing to the Lord. You're saying this is the raw footage that's inside right. my life and you're kind of just spewing it out and the enemy will take that and and abuse you with it. Right. And so it, it's much wiser mm-hmm. to be careful about the things you're saying for, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you, one, you don't give the enemy uh, ammunition against you. And right. two is that uh, that if what you are saying is not from God, is not of God, then right. when you say it, now you're the mouth of the enemy. Right. And so he's, he, he sees that loose mouth going, mm-hmm. and he jumps in, and he throws some things right. in there that will then hurt or offend or destroy mm-hmm. uh, lives of other people and yeah. or even your own life. Well, you, you reflect... Well, it depends on – you need to ask yourself, who, who am I reflecting right now? Am yeah. I reflecting the Lord? Am I reflecting Satan? Who gets glory from this? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's good. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah. Anyway, pretty cool. Okay. This is uh, from Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. It says, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, saying, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. The, you know, we always get lulled into thinking that what is will always be. And yet this has never been the case. Uh, you know, the, one of the things that is interesting to me, there was a, the Babylonian empire of Hammurabi was a thousand years before Nebuchadnezzar. Yet you have Babylon coming on the scene and and conquering the world uh, out of obscurity. Uh, You had the Assyrians that were running everything and so forth, and all of a sudden this Babylonian empire rises up. Well, where did it come from? Well, it was really, it had had gone out of existence, Um, but it had been the world power a thousand years earlier. Mm. And I started thinking about that. A thousand years earlier, you go a thousand years earlier, that puts us at um, 1021. Now think of the world in 1021 AD, okay? 
the I United States, uh, Columbus, <laughs> dis- Columbus discovered North America in 14 and, uh, you know, oh, in, right. in 1492. <laughs> so um, the um, so there is a uh, that was for, so even that's over 400 years before the discovery of our world. Mm-hmm. So our world is super new and yeah. in, in scope of this. So that means everything that, you know, can rise and fall and be reborn again in the same amount of time between yeah. uh, Hammurabi and Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. Now think about Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom now. It doesn't exist. Right. So it, it's it gone out of existence, and uh, and it is just desert uh, now, and, uh, you know, archaeological ruins. But uh, that's, it said you had a kingdom rise, fall, completely gone, rose again, mm-hmm. fell, completely gone, and now, and so that's that is the nature of of all the things that are happening. Everything around you has the potential to do that. It can end everything yeah. that you have can end at any given point. The consistency is that God is getting the gospel to every tribe mm. and tongue. But that doesn't mean that the world that we know will stand. That doesn't mean that uh, the way we understand the world will continue to exist. World systems have risen and fallen and are going to continue to change until Jesus returns. It always feels like the world is ending when your world is ending. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why people think that the end of time is near is because it it very well could be that the end of our time is near. And and the end of the way we know things is coming to a conclusion. And I do believe that. I do believe that because of our our sin and because of our uh, alienation from God and so forth, that uh, that we are bringing judgment upon ourselves, and that the way the way of world the world that we know will cease to be, and another mm-hmm. another way will creep up out of it. Now at some point, Jesus will return and he'll put an end to it all of it. Uh, but um, but that's um, uh, that you know only God knows when that is going to happen and it really doesn't matter um, because um, our Lord's kingdom is going to come and it will never end but uh, that's kind of not relevant to me today if this world ends mm-hmm. um, which, so so our mantra should always be the same that we're just to continue on doing being faithful to right. do what our Father has called us to do right. and uh, and so we should always treat it as the world is ending uh, because at some point um our world will end. Well, I saw this thing. I was trying to find it just a second ago. Matt Chandler had posted this graphic, and it was like 1 AD, and it was like talking about how many Christians were there, and then from here, from here, and then it said 2021 AD, and it was like 2.5 like mil- billion, billion Christians yeah. or whatever. And it was just this moment of like, wow, the kingdom is not going to stop. Like yeah. it was established in uh, – well, in the beginning, it was yeah. it was established at the, in, at the Pentecost, yeah. right? Exactly, yeah. and it will not stop yeah. forever. Like the promise in Second Samuel, I think it's seven, when the line of David, when it's like, "Hey, your kingdom will reign forever," yeah. it's it's still true. It, yeah. it never changes. The kingdom of the Lord yeah. is forever. And when you think about from zero or from one mm-hmm. AD, right, uh, which is really not accurate because that's right. when Jesus was born. But yeah. the um, but when the church began, the early part of the first century, mm-hmm. um, the uh, to now, I mean, you think about the nature of the world around us. You mm-hmm. have within that what's called the Dark Ages, which are really not the Dark Ages, but the uh, but the Middle Ages, and you have the, the all these empires rising and falling, and all this chaos. You have plagues that come in and nearly right. wipe out the entire world, and so forth. And you have uh, within all these things that you would think would just the the Christianity would just cease to exist. Mm-hmm. 
um, yet it is still here. Now, that's not... I mean, that's not the only thing, because there are other right. religions that have held true right. over the course of time. But uh, but it is it is a reminder that it is not contingent. We think that Christianity is contingent upon the success of America, yeah. or that Christianity is contingent upon us defeating these political enemies, right. but it's not. Right. And it, and it can thrive in nations where they don't even, um, where they're not, it can thrive in a communist nation. Mm-hmm. It can thrive in a, uh, it doesn't matter what the world power is. It doesn't matter what the what the people think or whatever. I mean, the gospel is still the gospel. Right. Yeah. Christ is consistent yeah. from beginning and to can, end. And can and has always overcome. Right. And people have always yeah. believed in him and trusted him and followed him and worshipped him, no matter what the political climate was. Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. So cool, cool. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna look at some questions um, when we return. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast, where we take a moment and look at questions that we have from the reading, or they can just be questions. And today we have a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. So Josh, crank one out for us. What's the first question? Yes. Um, Daniel 1.1. I don't have my Bible on me, so I can't read it. But <laughs> it starts with talking about King Nebuchadnezzar and how he's from Babylon and how he had taken over the, I believe, the Assyrian Empire. I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. And I don't have my scripture on me. Okay. Well, I'm wondering, um, are we supposed to see a connection between Genesis 11, which is Babel, mm. and Babylon? Um, and the reason I ask that is because in Genesis 11, we see Abraham, Abram at the time, being called out of Babylon um, into this this new promise. Mm-hmm. And now we see these people from Judah being put back into Babylon. Mm-hmm. And so should this throw up red flags? Should we be putting connections there? Should we not be putting connections there? What? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, the... Um... Uh, yes and no, I guess. The, there is a connection between Babel and Babylon. Uh, they are um, uh, basically the same. I mean, Babel is going way back into mm-hmm. history, and eventually this evolves to become the city of Babylon. And we mentioned earlier the, uh, the King Hammurabi. Uh, this was the center of the city that was the center of his uh, kingdom. And then uh, when it when it evolved again, uh, that city also became uh, the center of his kingdom again, and hasn't uh, come back since then. But um, but so it, it so it, but yes, it has that connection. There there are some uh, possible connections we could make by saying that uh, here you have God's people or the God dispersing everybody um, uh, during because of Babel, everybody was dispersed. And in Genesis, it's basically leading to the need to call Abraham Mm -hmm. out of this group or whatever, and set these people apart. And basically now that, because they've rejected being this people that God has set apart, they're sent back into, Mm -hmm. uh, the city. And that, that's absolutely a a parallel you could draw uh, from that, that God is saying as an act of judgment, I'm sending you back to Babel, uh, and, uh, and being within the confusion. And then, uh, and then they cried to be released from it, and he heard their cries and then released them from it. But 70 years, um, which is, uh, of, of exile. And, uh, yeah, but that's pretty much it. That's, um, there's not, uh, there's nothing the Bible, the Bible rarely says, draw this connection, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, make, come to this conclusion. Uh, but, but that is, that is a very real connection between the two, uh, that Babel really represents 
um, a people estranged from God, yeah. and um, and Babylon is the continuation of that. All the way through Revelation, when he uses Babylon to reflect, um, again, the city that is completely estranged from God and complete um, unwillingness to follow uh, what God is, and, and that becomes the uh, ultimate seat of destruction. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, when John is writing Revelation, everybody's thinking, oh, this is, he's talking about Rome. Yeah. Well, he is describing Rome when he's talking about Babylon because of the description he's giving. He's describing the Rome that he lives in, but he's really just describing any uh, the people, the people who are not followers of God and refuse to follow God, but insist on their own pride. I mean, that was the idea that, I mean, the story of Tower of Babel, they're trying to build a tower that ascends to God right. to show how amazing and wonderful they are. And that's really the nature of cities yeah. when you think about it. Cities are created by men to show how amazing men are. And uh, and they become very humanist. Um, they become very godless very quickly. Mm-hmm. And not to say that rural people are more godly, uh, because that's not always true, but uh, but there is a there is a there's a, a lot of pride that goes into the making of a city, uh, and to see the power of man hmm. uh, versus the power of God. So. Hmm. Okay, another question. Daniel okay. seven six. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, what's again? I don't have my Bible on me, but basically, what happened? I believe Nebuchadnezzar renames Daniel and then these three other guys whose names become Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm -hmm. So my question is, is renaming an important thing to understand in the Bible? Um, Because we see it happen with Abram and Sarai, Mm -hmm. become Abraham and Sarah, Saul and Tapal, and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth, and with these guys. And so what was the point of names? And should this stick out to us? Like, is this an important imagery thing? What What's going on? Well, Would three. It... Those are three, three. All three different situations you've brought up. First oh, of all, <laughs> the change of Abram and Sarah to Abraham and Sarah. That was God taking people right. out of a pagan name and giving them a name that He wanted to give them. Mm-hmm. And so He's basically saying, "I have a name that I want you to carry that represents the language that I'm giving to you, yeah. which is the language of Hebrew." And uh, with uh, Saul and Paul. Um, in the New Testament, uh, he doesn't change his name. It's just that Greek people call him Paul and Hebrew people call him Saul. Um, the because uh, the, they're two different names, and that and that's kind of uh, the same way with us. You're reading an English Bible, and so all mm-hmm. the names have been converted into English. But you got to right. remember when they go into these countries, they're saying their names in Hebrew, mm-hmm. and and so they're like, we don't have any clue what you're talking oh, about, which yeah, is why we convert it to English. Because so it's like when I mean we. We actually have converted their names already ourselves in the mm-hmm. in the Bible that we're reading because those aren't it's like a Jesus name is not Jesus it's Yeshua, uh, but we don't say Yeshua in the Bible we've translated into our we've taken Greek and translated into English uh, it, Yeshua in um, in Greek is Eosus and and so it's um, and so you take that and then we make it into Jesus take the I and change I's are changed in the J um, and uh, kind of like with Hallelujah and all those kind of things but the but that's so that's we're already doing that. So if you but when best thing the best way to think of it is when people immigrated into our country and uh, your name is Talalawashawakshiwich or whatever. And we say, well, we're going to call you Tom. Yeah. You know, we would do the same thing. Oh, OK. I see. And so and that's what they're doing in uh, in Babylon. Uh, it's like, uh, yeah, that's your name there. But here we're going to call see. you Fred. Okay. And uh, that's how we're going to know you. So when they give uh, Daniel becomes Belteshazzar, it's just uh, we're going to take your Hebrew name and give you this um, mm. Babylonian. Okay. Yeah, yeah, there's a power play involved in yeah. that. There, there, And we do it 
sometimes, I mean, how intentional is that power play? Mm-hmm. Well, with God, he has the right to do a power right. play. He has right. the right to say, I'm going to call you this. Uh, Jesus does it with Peter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call you, um, you know, Kephas or whatever, and because uh, you're the rock. And, um, and the, um, uh, but the, uh, and then and from, you know, so anyway, now you're Peter, hmm, uh, you. Piet, um, Petra, Pietro, and uh, anyway, the um, uh, but that's that's the same thing. So you're you're yes, th- or does it mean something? Absolutely. Uh, but sometimes it's for political purposes. Sometimes it's for just language purposes. Um, so we can that's understand helpful. better who you are. And since now you're in our country, in our culture. And speaking our language, we're going to give you a name that matches our language. So. Gotcha. That's um, actually born exchange students from Asia. When they come here, they they pick a name. Pick an English name, yeah. Because nobody knows. Right. Kanji, basically. So, <laughs> so the same concept, gotcha. but it but it can be done. Like when Alexander the Great was conquering uh, the world, he mm-hmm. he made everyone speak his language because if you want to have long term. Uh, influence over a people, you make mm-hmm. them speak your language. Gotcha. Um, if you allow people to maintain their language, then it maintains their identity, and you're always uh, looking possi- at a right. possible insurrection. Mm-hmm. In fact, wars have been fought over such things, yeah. um, and uh, language is super important. Um, so, yeah, but yes, and and, and, that, and it is a debate. You know, mm-hmm. do we make people, everybody here, speak American English when they come to our country? Mm-hmm. Well, it is a power play, you know, but it's yeah. uh, but if you if you don't, then you have issues with that, and if you do, you have issues with that. So, um, really, it's not uh, that's not a Christian, a biblical right. <laughs> mandate for us either way. Gotcha. Uh, so we yeah. just we speak all languages so that yeah. we by all by all means might reach some. So yeah, gotcha. Okay, last question. This one was not in our reading, Ooh. but it's an overall God question. So I personally am reading through First Psalm. First Psalm, First Samuel, um, just in general. First Samuel. <laughs> and so I'm kind of confused about how I should view Saul. Hmm. And the reason I am confused is because. <clears throat> Why do we call him Paul? No. no I'm <laughs> so I'm just trying to confuse everybody. Yeah. yeah, right. Saul in the Old Testament. Um, and I'm kind of confused because the people of Israel are asking for a king. And so then the Lord goes, or Samuel goes to the Lord, and he's like, the Lord's like, okay, I got a guy. Here's his his name, Saul, and he will be the guy to be their king. Yeah. Um, and so he becomes king, and then he doesn't do well at all. And yeah. then his son Jonathan like comes in, and it's it's just this up in the air thing. And so here's my thing. Okay. Saul makes this like covenant or something or this promise, and blah blah blah. I don't know. It's messy. And then it goes on to talk about Samuel and the Lord are talking and the Lord, mm-hmm. I don't know what he says. I don't think it says, I regret making him king, but he says yeah, something so along. That's okay, he's, okay, that's exactly what he says. And so now I'm kind of confused. How should I view Saul? Should I view him mm-hmm. as bad? Should I view him as good? But also, okay, what does this tell us about God's character? Because mm-hmm. I'm a little confused. If he's consistent all the time and, and here we go back. Yeah. Um. So I just, I want some clarification. I think that would be helpful for Everybody, yes. though. We have what are, well, first of all, let me just point this out. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to wonder what was running through the parents of Saul in the New Testament, to because they were Benjamites, and Saul, King Saul was a Benjamite. You almost have to think that they named him after King Saul, and you think, why would you name your son after King Saul? He's such a bad example. But anyway, 
I wonder if he had King Saul posters on his wall or something. Probably anyway, not. Uh, anyways, <laughs> total aside. But the um, uh, yes, so in uh, in this setting uh, in the Old Testament, you have uh, what we call anthropomorphisms uh, in the Old Testament. And anthropomorphis- anthropomorphisms means we give God attributes of men. Um, because we're trying to explain what is happening as we see it happening Mm -hmm. based on what we know and what has already been revealed. And we have so much more revealed about God by the time we get to Jesus Mm -hmm. uh, and and through the prophets and and all these other revelations that they do not have at the time of Saul. Uh, And uh, and so just trying to remember that as 1 Samuel is being written. And, uh, and so you uh, going back to Moses is it's like when you Moses would think, say things like forgot or I changed my mind it's like wait God doesn't change his mind right and 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 it's like that's what w- would appear is happening based on what you are seeing mm-hmm. but by further revelation of God we know that there's something different happening because God says he doesn't change his mind um, that his mind is unchanging so. So in this situation, with the greater revelation we have about God, we know that when God says that he regretted uh, Saul being king, it's not that he's like, um, that he's, we, we get a picture of a human being in our head, of somebody wringing right. their hands or just wiping their forehead or yeah. something, going, why did I do this? I yeah. can't believe I did this. I'm so stupid. And and you obviously know that that's not what God is saying, right. because that's not who God is. So you, you can't compromise what we do know about God when you're reading that statement mm-hmm. yeah and so so you're looking at it knowing well god is saying that uh that it was not um that saul has gone a bad way it's kind of like if god's if if it was written in the old testament that god regretted making cain because he killed abel you mm-hmm. know or god regretted adam and eve because they fell from grace um well we know that he didn't that he did it and he thought it was good and so forth Yet it was the sin and mistakes of people that uh, that mm-hmm. created a situation okay. that is not desirable, and so theologically you're looking at it and saying the that what Saul has done is bad, and that. that it is uh, and that God does not condone it. That God is saying mm-hmm. this is I do not like who Saul is right now, and the you. choices he made are bad, uh, and which are true. And uh, and the guilt is upon him, not upon God. But um, it's, uh, really you know, yeah. I, I mean, like when Moses stepped in and he said, um, you know, when God says, I'm going to destroy all these people. And then Moses steps in and says, please, God, don't st- destroy these yeah. people and gives reasons. And it's like, then God relents or changes my, it's, 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 it sounds like it's saying that God's in heaven going, okay, Moses, you're the yeah. boss, you know, I'm right. going to do it. But no, God, we know that God is sovereign from what he reveals. So, but it also shows that he uses Moses uh, to pray these prayers because it then brings about that the desired outcome that God is looking for. That God, that God, because it's uh, you're asking the same questions when you ask why does God put a tree in the garden right. in the first place? A tree of, of, if He knows that Adam and Eve are going to eat it, and uh, and and He He has He there's nothing wrong with what God is doing. He has created the world according to his plan, Mm -hmm. even though he knows the outcome is going to be one that he does not desire. Um, Yet he has allotted, uh, accounted for this and provided a means for salvation. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that he knew that Saul would be a a king that he regretted, 
it was necessary for Saul to come to the throne for God's will to be accomplished mm, gotcha. and for David to be provided yeah. as that means of redemption uh, mm. and to be the king that that uh, that God was seeking. So uh, it all worked according to God's plan, which is what we know from Romans 8:28 that he does work right. all things together for right. good uh, to those who are ca- uh, called according to his purpose. Um, and um, to those who love the Lord and are called right. according to his purpose. So um, for Saul, it doesn't work out so great. Right. So because he forfeits that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but again, that's um, yeah. So that's kind of yeah. You know, uh, the 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 best thing to remember is is that whenever you're reading things like that, to say okay, what do I? Ha- this has to be. This is true. But within the context of the situation that's in. But the prevailing truth about God is what is the what does the whole counsel of Scripture say to me? So, um, so when we we have expressions or things that are written about God, it's it's to be understood from the perspective of this is how I would have seen it, knowing what I know. Um, but I know more now, so I can reinterpret it based on this understanding. Gotcha. That's really yeah. helpful. Yeah. Well, good. Good. I'm glad it was helpful. That's exciting. Well, that's it. That is our um, our podcast for today, and uh, we have uh, all kinds of podcasts that you can listen to. In fact, we're almost finished reading the Bible for this year, but that doesn't mean that you um, we've already read through the Bible for an entire year. Uh, so now you're going to have two full years of Bible reading and commentary to go back and and I hope you will I'll challenge you as you read as you're reading through the Bible, kind of look for a podcast that kind of talks about it. See mm-hmm. see if we see things the way you see them. Maybe you see things a little bit differently, and if you see things a little bit differently, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear how you see or how what God is revealing to you or maybe you see another passage of scripture that really stands out that we don't ever address and you might have something to say send us a comment if you have questions about things you're reading send us your questions if you have a desire to be right here with us on the podcast we would love to have you just tell us I would love to be on your podcast we'll find a way we'll make a way for you to be here with us as we share more and uh, and the goal for all of us is to come to a greater understanding of Jesus so we'll see you next time